The WLEW Sports Network presents The Strong Side with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams. The Strong Side is presented by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, Thumb Bank and Trust, Thompson Chevrolet, Go Thompson, and Sure Health, Better Health, Better Life. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by AgriValley Services. The first set of postseason hardware has been awarded, and now just 72 teams remain forever in the entire state of Michigan. Good evening and welcome to the WLW Sports Network's presentation of The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and also live on YouTube. I'm Clark Ramsey, your host, and joining me tonight is a true professional. He even has a license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hansen. Thank you, Clark. Paul, good to see you guys. Uh, hopefully it's not the last time I see you guys on Sunday, but uh, sure doesn't look good right now. Also in studio with us is the sports editor of the Heron County View, Paul P. Adams. Yeah, it's good to be back, and if we had to go out, what a great weekend to go out on. Uh, we just had some great performances by our area teams. The third week of the season of the postseason is complete, and Cass City, Ubley, and North Huron all advance into the next week. Yeah, they advance, and we don't know when they'll play or if they'll play again. No doubt about it, and uh, those ugly Bearcats with an outstanding performance, and uh, Cass City, especially the game we got to see, there's a lot of good games to talk about. It's all coming up on Sports Radio 1021, WLWSports.com, and also now live on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and search for WLWSports.com. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side, brought to you by Thumb Bank and Trust, Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, Thompson Chevrolet and Thompson Car Company, Insure. Better health, better life, are you sure? You're listening to The Strong Side. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021, WLWSports.com, and also now live on YouTube, the same YouTube as Gretchen Whitmer. Hey, how you doing tonight, folks? It's uh, the third week of the postseason is behind us. Let's take a look at that uh, scoreboard, and we'll start out in eight-player football, Division One. This is the larger schools of eight-player football in Morris, the last NCTL team in Division One remaining. And defending eight-player state champion Division One, they go down, and they go down hard. They lose to Adrian Lenaway Christian 49-0 over the weekend Saturday. It was 28-0 at halftime. Adrian Lenaway Christian, the Cougars, put up 20 more po- 21 more points in the second half and shut out the Orioles 49-0. Morris, last year's eight-player champion, Lenaway Christian, Last week beat Mayville seventy eight fourteen. They're they mean business. Oh no question. I've been on this uh, Adrian Lonway Christian bandwagon for quite a while, dating back into the, the regular season. Just looking at the the opponents that they've been playing, and then when they start playing some opponents that we know, they have absolutely demolished uh, Mayville and Morris. And I, I'm not surprised that that they beat Morris. I'm surprised that they beat Morris forty nine to nothing. I don't think anybody saw that coming, and it just goes to show what kind of a quality program this really is. And I think uh, obviously the odds on favor to win in Division One. Oh, they, they, this is the biggest biggest score for me for the weekend. Uh, I certainly thought that Morris would compete. I think as the weeks went on, 
the Adrian Lenaway Christian bandwagon was getting bigger, and I think more and more people realizing how good they really are. But we knew Morris. They're defending state champions. They're still very good. A lot of returning starters. But to, to literally 49 nothing in eight-player football doesn't get much more impressive than that. And so Adrian Lenaway Christian now improves to... 9-0 and on the season, and they will go on to play Martin, who took out Marcellus 54-8 to on Friday. Into Division Two of 8-player football, North Huron, the Warriors, went to work on Saturday at 1 o'clock, and they picked up from the week before. This time, they had their starting quarterback in the, biz- in the books, and they meant business as well. They took out Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart 50-20. to It was in hand 32-14 at halftime. They add six more points in the third. We'll have much more details on this one later in the show today. They now play Portland St. Patrick, who's 9-0 in the season after they took out last year's defending state champion in A-Player Football Division 2, Colon, 44-34. Oh, wow. You know, we were getting some updates from that Colon-Portland St. Patrick game uh, over at North Huron when North Huron knew it was in the books, and uh, uh, some ears perked up when Colon was winning that game. Uh, North Huron knows all too well about Portland St. Patrick. Uh, two out of the last three years, Portland St. Patrick has ended the Warriors' season. So they were they they were just trying to play somebody different, uh, you know, with their season on the line. But it looks it, it's going to be Portland St. Patrick if we are able to get to that point. I, and I think uh, North Huron on the other side of things would love to get some revenge on Portland St. Patrick. Would love to end their season. But uh, all roads lead to Powers North Central if this ever keeps going. Powers North Central is probably still the outstanding favorite. They won their game over Cedarville 55-8 to and moving to 9-0. and That is the team to keep an eye out for, but would love to see the North Huron Warriors get a shot at them. And Powers North Central, at least there's one good football team that's named the Jets. Moving on to eight pl- in Division 8 of 11-player football, the Ubley Bearcats went to Flinton. They shut out the Flint Beecher Bucks on their home field. It was 36-0 at halftime, and then ended up being 42-0. Ubley comes out aggressive, 20-0 immediately, 36-0 at halftime. They're trying to make it to, uh, this is the second, uh, making sure the regional final for the second year in a row. They've won six in a row since losing to Sandusky in week number three. Ubley will now play Carson City Crystal Falls, or excuse me, Carson City Crystal at some point. Hopefully, and Ubley is absolutely peaking at the right time. This is a team that is totally different from the one that we saw back in week one over there in Harbor Beach. That team was trying to find its way, had limited practice time, was breaking in a freshman quarterback. That freshman quarterback is broken in, and he is a playmaker. That uh, 20-yard touchdown run that he had in this game was just a thing of beauty. Uh, then you add Carson Holeski, Nolan Van Erp, and everybody just seems to be on the same page. And you can feel this momentum running and building up. Uh, I, I hope this thing continues because up has got a real shot to be at Ford Field this year. It's the touchdown passes that he's throwing too. He's just he's just taking the offense and it's evolving with him immediately. And this Ubley Bearcat team, um, if Arbor Beach would have played, I think they would have beat Flint Beecher. And I think Ubley would have done exactly the same thing as they did to Flint Beecher. They'd have done the same thing to Harbor Beach. This Flint Beecher team is not battle tested. They had a very weak schedule. We were not surprised that Ubley won this game. But 42 nothing is how you beat a poor team. And that's exactly what they did. And I think Carson City Crystal was next on the victim list. I, I don't think Ubley was going to have too big of a deal with Carson City myself. And I think they were certainly uh, looking at another at least semifinals game for Here, sure. Here's one tidbit on Carson City Crystal. They have a one-point win over Tawas. Lakers beat Talos by 41 points. I think we'd all agree that Ubley's a better team than Lakers. And uh, if you kind of look at, you kind of play that degree of separation, I, I think Ubley was in really good shape in this game. Well, uh, 
Bad Axe beat Lakers twice and ugly dismantled Bad Axe. So there's your there other you comparison. So I, I don't think you can argue that. I, I certainly think the Bearcats are by far the best team in the East. And, uh, you know, well, let me rephrase. Sandusky would have a say about that. But Ubley is playing the best football in the area right now. Yep. I don't know, guys. You, you're using a lot of science and data-driven decisions to come up with those <laughs> facts there. So moving on, Division 7, it was the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network, and the Kansas City Redhawks were on the road taking on the Hemlock Huskies. Both teams undefeated entering the ball game in Kansas City ends up victorious. Let's take it right into that one. In the first quarter, the very first drive, just four plays into the ball game, and Hemlock scores on their fourth play of the drive. From 53 yards out, Robert Napick, the tailback, finds the end zone. The two-point conversion fails. It's 6-0, Hemlock leading. Things are looking grimmer, but here comes Cassidy on their fourth play of the game. And Jordan Mester runs out for 21 yards into the end zone. The two-point conversion fails, and we're tied at six apiece. Moving on to the third possession of the entire ball game, six and a half left in the first quarter. And Dylan LeGroth goes to the air for Hemlock, a 29-yard pass to Jacob Shalagowski. In six plays, finds the end zone. The two-point conversion to Dininger is good, and it's 14-6 Hemlock. And then 3-14 left in the first quarter. Cassidy starting to drive down the ball, drive down the field, and they stall at the 10-yard line of Hemlock. A turnover on downs gives the ball back to Hemlock. Cassidy is down by eight points entering the second quarter. 4-35 before the half, Hemlock fumbles on their own 26-yard line. Cassidy recovers, and Cassidy makes him pay. Just 38 seconds later, Bryce Fernald with an 18-yard quarterback keep into the end zone. Just two plays on 26 yards for that drive, and the two-point conversion failed. And Hemlock's lead cut down to just two points, 14-12, to entering halftime. In the third quarter, four minutes into the second half, and Cassidy on their opening drive marches down the field, and Bryce Fernald breaks out for a 42-yard run on fourth and five in the end zone. Jordan Messer with a two-point conversion puts Cassidy on top for the first time the night. 20-14 to 14 by 6 points. 10-17 left in the fourth quarter. Hemlock trying to regain the lead, and they cannot do anything with it. They get a 3 and out, and they punt from their own end zone to the 20-yard line of Hemlock. And so Cassidy just two plays later, 10-11 left in the fourth. Jordan Mester with a 15-yard run, his second score of the night. Two-point conversion from Noah Zaleski makes it 28-14. Cassidy by 14. Three and a half minutes later, Dylan LeGro throws a 70-yard pass to Bryce Murphy for Hemlock. Two-point version is good, and suddenly a six-point ball game once again, 28-22. But then two minutes and 21 seconds left in regulation in Cassidy's Jordan Mester with his third score of the evening with a 12-yard run caps off a 10-play, 5-minute and 10-second, 87-yard drive for Cassidy. Two-point conversion for Bryce Fernald makes it 36-22. Cassidy and then Hemlock with one more chance. They get stopped on fourth down at midfield. Cassidy kneels the rest of the way out. And Cassidy, your district champion in Division 7. Well, it was an outstanding performance by Cassidy, but it started with what happened at halftime. And as the game went on, and I mentioned this during the game and throughout the game, but it started out with a spread offense from Hemlock and never changed. They spread it out. They were five receivers, four receivers minimum on every single play. And when they chose to throw the football, you could tell Cass City had a game plan that was please bend but do not break. They were giving 10 to 15 to 20 yards of cushion on every play. And they could run, Hemlock would run 10 yards, would stop, and it was the easiest throw and catch you could ever see. So in the first quarter, a couple quick passes, all of a sudden then you go to the run game when Cass City is not expected, you get a big hit. Then the next series, they get a touchdown pass. And I know I looked at Clark and he looked at me and go, oh boy, this could get ugly. But as the second quarter came around, 
you started to notice that LeGros was a very good quarterback, accurate, but had no strength. There was no arm strength at all. And so you started to see those defensive backs cut down five yards on the cushion. And in the third quarter, they were given five yards cushion, no more. And in the middle there, they started blitzing linebackers, and LeGros got off that spot that made him comfortable. And he made, don't get me wrong, he made some good throws on the run. But when they got him off that spot, all of a sudden you saw sacks. You saw running plays that they blitzed on and tackled Napic in the backfield, which created second and 12 or second 13. And I just was very impressed with the Cass City defensive play calling especially. And uh, part of it is Hemlock was very telegraphic for how they were giving their plays away. Dan Banky was up there calling every <laughs> single play. And, and, and now Hemlock is a, a younger team. Their coach would give hand signals. And, and I talked to some Cat City players afterward and coaches afterward, and they said that there was other tells. You could tell Dylan LeGros was giving plays away. He acted differently when he had the football. He acted differently when it was a pass play coming, just by the way the line stood. Everything changed. They telegraphed everything that they did when it was going to be run or a pass. And I give credit to Cat City recognizing those patterns. And that's why Napic was irrelevant in the second half. Because when he had the football in a running play, they just blitzed it. It didn't allow any run after contact. He was tackled for a loss. And then those corners started creeping up. They took away the passing game. And you can say all you want about Jordan Mester. He absolutely carried this team. But it was the carries that Bryce Fernald had. Because Alex Perry was blocking and Noah Zaleski couldn't get anything going. It was the carries that Bryce Fernald made that kept this offense on the field. And in the second half, they just blew the doors off him. It was just a very impressive sequence, how the game started to how it ended, and Cassidy won the chess match of a football game. I think it comes down to preparation, like you said, Dave, with this Cassidy coaching staff. Two weeks in a row, Cassidy's had kind of suspect uh, first halves. They have made such great second-half adjustments. You look at what they did to Sandusky the week prior. They completely shut down Sandusky when Sandusky was running all over them in the first half, and Sandusky got nothing in the second half. Hemlock had some good things going, like you said, and, and you could just see. They made those adjustments. They, 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 they bent, but they didn't break. They kept themselves in the game. They stayed true to who they are, too. Cassidy didn't panic and start trying to throw pass for pass with Hemlock either. In fact, they only threw one pass. 53 rushing attempts or 366 yards for Cass City. They know who they are. They didn't try to pretend to be somebody else. And they, they have a good enough defense to where if they can if they can settle in and figure out what that opposing offense is going to do, they're going to make you pay in the second half. And that's I think that's the keys that really won them the game. And I think when you look at those 53 carries, that wears a, the other opposing defense down too. Hemlock had to, you know, I wasn't there but listening to you guys. Hemlock had to be just tired of getting hit and run over by, by a really uh, stout Cass City offense. Hemlock's got one touchdown in the second half, and it was, uh, I mean, it was an important touchdown, but let's be real, it was with seven minutes left in the game. It was, at that point, it was a garbage time touchdown. Cass City didn't mind giving up that score because then their offense came back on the field. And what's not in the notes there is after that touchdown, uh, Finkbeiner kicked it over the head of the special teams guy, and that ball died like at the five-yard line inbounds. And the special teams, it might have been Alex Perry, it doesn't matter, Zaleski maybe, he had to go turn his back to the defense, pick up that ball at the five-yard line, and he barely got it to pass the 10. And that Cass City offense, even after that mistake, with a one-score lead, goes right down the field. 
capped off by a Jordan Mester 12-yard run. And when he scores, this game is done. Hemlock has nothing left. They did attempt a few passes, and then uh, there was a, a, a questionable pass interference call, but it doesn't matter. Even if they would have scored, they weren't getting two scores on this defense. And So props to Cass City. Everything that we talked about is absolutely accurate, and it took an absolute team effort, preparation. They sniffed out these, what they were going to do, and absolutely, as the game went on, made sure that they kept continuing in the right direction and finished off a very good Hemlock team. You talk about mistakes too, Dave. Cassidy commits two penal- two penalties, 10 yards. Hemlock, seven penalties, 65 yards, two turnovers to no turnovers for Cassidy. So, again, Cassidy playing its game, playing Good thumb football, disciplined football. It reminds me so much of Ubley. When when we talk about Ubley, you, you see the same things. No penalties, no turnovers. Same thing here for Cass City. If you do that with the kind of running game they feature and you're forcing your opponents into two turnovers and 65 yards worth of penalties, more times than not, that is a recipe for success for a team as good as Cass City. When Cass City was all said and done on the night, They had 366 yards of offense on five touchdowns. Hemlock right around 311 with 199 through the air, 112 off the ground on a total of 44 plays. Just three touchdowns for Hemlock, five for Cat City. One of those penalties for Hemlock really negated any type of progress they possibly could have had. And with that uh, unsportsmanlike conduct on 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 the coach, excuse me, which kind of pushed them back on that fourth down. And when you have a quarterback who can't throw that far, he couldn't throw to the original line of scrimmage, let alone the first down marker. Right. It was on second down he got the penalty. They uh, On second down, they, uh, the quarterback was under duress, and he he threw it one right at us. It was close to midfield, and he threw it a straight line right at us. And the Cassidy defender ran into the wide receiver. Now, the receiver made the catch, a spectacular catch, but he was hit before it got there. Not vicious or malicious or anything like that, but clearly made contact before. I would have felt that it was pass interference. We heard later that they ruled it a backwards pass, meaning it's a glorified handoff. So it's an absolute legit play to hit that guy. I think they missed that. I think they missed a pass interference call. Again, I don't think this matters. Cass City, I still think, wins. But yes, it completely yes. took the wind out of Hemlock sails because the coach is upset. He gets 15 yards. Now it's second and 29. They get a five-yard pass. Now it's third third and, what would you say, oh, Hemlock. They had to go all the way into town to get the first down. And, yeah, you saw him try to throw it downfield, and it was a wounded duck. It was uh, not not part of his game, and that was it. That was the end of the game. Cassidy's defense knocked that pass down and, and uh, got pressure on him on fourth down. They had nothing. Cassidy ended up with 10 first downs in the night, leading the way. Jordan Mester on rushing the ball, 22 carries, 190 yards, and three scores. Bryce Fernald, the quarterback, 12 carries, 78 yards there, and two scores. Nozleski. With 11 carries, 65 yards, and Alex Berry, 8 carries for 33 yards. Robert Napick, leading rusher for Hemlock, 18 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown, as well as a fumble. The next rusher, Evan Miller, Espen Miller, excuse me, 1 carry for 11 yards. Through the air, Dylan LeGro, 21 of 32, with 1 interception for 199 yards and 2 touchdowns. Cassidy now advances to play Ithaca in the regional final. That game will be Saturday, well, it was supposed to be Saturday at 1 p.m. in Ithaca. We all know how that turned out. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the Ubley Bearcats traveling down to Flint. Left side to right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021.
Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side and also watching The Strong Side on YouTube. Thank you to all of our watchers and followers on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com, search for WLEW Sports, click the subscribe button, and you'll be able to watch The Strong Side next year when this all picks back up in the fall. All right, let's talk about the Ugly Bearcats and the Flint Beecher Bucks in Division 8 football. And in the first quarter, Ubley came out firing. Four minutes in the ballgame, Carson Lesky with a 17-yard run. The two-point conversion fails. It's Ubley 6-0 leading over Beecher. Just three seconds later, Ubley kicks off. Uh, the kickoff, I watched this on, on the replay as well. Ubley kicks off. It appeared it was going out of bounds, and it checked up like they were playing at the Masters. And it stays in bounds, and Levi Prusky recovers at the 35-yard line. Four seconds later, the first play of that drive, Carson Lesky with his second score of the night. A 35-yard run, the two-point conversion from Carson Holeski is good, and it's 14-0 Carson Holeski, Beecher 0. 3.59 left in the first quarter, still Evan Peruski, quarterback keeper from 20 yards out, makes it 20-0 after its failed two-point conversion. And then on to the second quarter, 5.57 before the half, Carson Holeski with his third score of the night, a one-yard dive as Carson Holeski two-point conversion makes it 28-0 Ubley. And then Beecher fumbles at the Ubley 28-yard line, Bearcats recover in with 121 left in the second quarter. Carson Lesky with another score, 28 yards out this time. Another Carson Lesky two-point conversion makes it 36-0 Ubley, and that would be your halftime score, which means there's a running clock scenario starting into the third quarter, and at that point, it is uh, 36-0, 121, no scoring in the third quarter. Move on to the fourth quarter, 935 left in the fourth and Logan Mueller with a 12-yard run, two-point conversion fails. It's Ubley 42-0, Flint Beecher, uh, over Flint Beecher for their district championship. Be- before I get into the game, before the game, I found out that this was Carson Haleski's 18th birthday, and I was like, what's Carson Haleski got in store tonight? Well, he, he did not disappoint. It wasn't quite the show that he put on almost a year ago against Saginaw Nouvelle when he had the six touchdowns. But uh, he ends up with 177 yards, the four touchdowns on, on 20 carries. 175 of those yards came in the first half. It was absolutely awesome to watch. This kid, it, it, when it's a big game, he puts the Bearcats on his back, and uh, you just had no doubt about it. But you go back to the beginning of this game. That was a nice opening drive for Ubley. I, I didn't see if they won the toss or not, but if I was Ubley, I'd want the ball to set the tone of that game, and they did that with a nice drive capped off by Haleski. You go to that kickoff, and by all rights, that ball should have been out of bounds. I don't know how it stayed in. Ubley recovers, and once Haleski breaks loose for that 35-yarder, it, it's it's ball game really at that point because then Ubley is able to dictate pace, makes Flint Beecher one-dimensional, and their one-dimension wasn't very good. Uh, Flint Beecher had one really good drive right at the end of the half, got to about the six-inch line as time expired, and outside of that, really did not sustain any drives. They they did have one a little bit later in the second quarter, um, which Ubley stopped with a, with a fumble, but this just comes down to Ubley remaining true to who it was, which it, they're just going to bludgeon you to death with the wing tee. Flint Beecher didn't know where the ball was, the refs didn't know where the ball was. It was it, they they were Ubley was running the wing tee as well as it can be run against a team that doesn't see it and uh, really could have been a lot worse. But it, the running clock prevented that, and and uh, Coach Sweeney made sure he got some of those players out to to save them for a potential uh, regional championship. But this is this by far this was Ubley's best game of the year, start to finish. Um, th- they are absolutely playing their best ball 
No, no doubt about it. So uh, Carson Oleski apparently had big plans because what he got for his birthday was he didn't have to play the second half uh, because he had enough stats accumulated in the first half. Uh, 20 carries, 177 yards, four TDs. Uh, absolutely outstanding performance. But uh, as good as he is, you know, he loves running right behind Nolan Van Earp, and you, you can't give enough credit to that offensive line because they don't get enough credit uh, protecting a freshman quarterback. Uh, who has done a marvelous job himself. Uh, he only had four carries, which didn't need him, but he made the most of those, 72 yards and a touchdown. But th- there is not a lot to say. This is complete domination. You saw it in the stat sheet when it comes to a special teams play. You're seeing they forced three turnovers. They had none themselves. Uh, they scored on practically every drive. And a lot of these yards that Beecher had came in the second half, but it was flat-out garbage time. I mean, it, the Bearcats at that point had Carson Oleski off the field. A lot of these guys were – you know, some other guys were getting some quality playoff reps in at this point, keeping everybody healthy. So absolutely outstanding from top to bottom, from from game plan to coaching to uh, play calling, what the kids did. The execution was phenomenal, and you can't get enough credit from to everybody. This was an outstanding and dominating performance, 42 nothing uh, over – again, like I said, I, I don't want to give a lot of credit for Beecher. I, I, I think they were very unbattle-tested. They have a very weak schedule. But the Bearcats come in and prove their point that they are a team to be reckoned with. Ubley isn't going to win a beauty contest before a game. If you if you watch these two teams warm up, you're seeing a bigger, more athletic-looking Beecher team and a, and a smaller Ubley team. But it comes down to technique and believing in the system. I talked to Carson Haleski after that, He go after the game, and he says, we're always going to be the smallest team on the field. We don't care. We're going to win the game on technique and, and being who we are. And that's exactly how they, they won. They didn't try to be something that they're not. 44 carries, almost 400 yards, 399 yards, and six touchdowns. That's who Ubley is. They make no apologies for it, and it's a pretty darn good winning formula. Ubley ends up with 399 rushing yards. Carson Lesky with 30 points on the night with 20 carries, 177 yards, and four scores. Logan Mueller, 11 carries, 97 yards, and a score. Evan Peruski, four carries, 72 yards, and a score. And Cal Noberski, eight carries for 51 yards. And they threw one pass. Evan Bruski completed a pass for 32 yards to Cal Noberski, the only pass of the night. Ubley now 7-2. They've won six in a row, and they were supposed to play this Saturday at 7 p.m. against Carson City Crystal, who is 6-1. And, one. and uh, they had they were in quarantine in the second week of the regular season for two weeks. So that's why they only have a 6-1 and one record. But they've won five in a row, and we will have to wait and see if that game ever takes place, which would have been the game of the week on the WLW Sports Network. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll shift our attention to the North Huron Warriors right here on Sports Radio 1021. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and search for WLW Sports. Skip over the SpaceX launch going on right now. Click on us. You'll want to see our smiling faces. Paul P. Adams still in shorts. So there you have it. That's uh, that's quite the look. 
Dave, you're, I, you're wearing jeans today. All I, right. I would have been wearing shorts, but uh, it was cold and windy deer hunting today. Oh, beautiful day out there for, for uh, hunting. I got to tell you, I woke up, that wind, that rain, oh, nothing better, right? All right, let's take a look at the Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart Irish rolling into town to take on the North Huron Warriors, and it was Warrior Day in Kindy. It is every day, actually. 5.18 left in the first quarter. Will Case, returning off of an ankle injury from the week prior, runs in from seven yards out. The quarterback keeper, two-point conversion fails. North Huron leading 6-0, but one second left remaining in the first quarter, and Sacred Heart finds the end zone. Gabe Ruckles with a one-yard run. PAT fails at 6-6. North Huron in Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart. Into the second quarter, five minutes into the four minutes into the second quarter, Will Case with his second score of the night. Throws a pass to Shornak for a 14-6 lead by 8. And then Christian Brown with a 34-yard run. Two-point conversion from Moore is good. 22-6 North Huron. And then Will Case with a 37-yard quarterback keep. Man, a two-point conversion from Brown makes it 30-6 North Huron. And then just 36 seconds before the half is over, Sacred Heart has a reverse back to quarterback keep Ruggles. And the two-point conversion is good. And it's 30-14, a 16-point lead for the Warriors entering halftime. Five, four and a half minutes in the third quarter. Will Case with yet another score is fourth of the, the afternoon at that point with a one-yard run. The two-point conversion fails. It's 36-14 North Huron. On to the fourth quarter, 10 seconds into the fourth, and Sacred Heart with a Ruggles nine-yard pass to Luke Predom. Two-point conversion fails. It's 36-20 North Huron. 7.41 left, though. Will Case with another score, two-yard run, 42-20. And then North Huron with 2.56 left in the fourth quarter on a fourth and eight. Will Case throws a pass to Tyler Moore. The two-point conversion is good from Brown. Final score, North Huron 50, Sacred Heart 20. North Huron, your regional champions. When I was walking into the stadium on Saturday, first thing I looked for, where's number eight? Is number eight in pads and does he have his helmet? I see him immediately, Will Case, number eight, pads and helmet. I'm like, North Huron's winning this game. I felt pretty confident that North Huron could win without without case they proved a lot last week against a really good pack team and uh, shifted their players around and, and got the job done but when you put will case back at quarterback everybody else gets to go into their right place and, and into a little bit more of a comfort zone for themselves uh what goes unnoticed is, is obviously will case had himself a ball game he had six touchdowns but a real key to this game was christian brown with 160 yards, he became a workhorse with 21 carries. Uh, that in, in last week's uh, big player, Tyler Moore, shifts back to his receiving and blocking position, which just makes North Huron even stronger. It was everybody back in their positions, which allowed Will Case to have such a big game. Uh, the the 37-yard touchdown run in the second quarter is what stands out most to me. Uh, he Will Case ran right by me on the sideline, and then he ran back, and he had two words, only two words, and he kept saying them over and over and over. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Up until that point, you know, an ankle injury is a really tough injury if you haven't suffered it. It's about believing in your body again and, and getting your, your mind to believe that that uh, that it, it will work. And you could see that he was just kind of, you know, shuffling his way through the game, not knowing if he was actually, you know, back at full strength. But he pulled away from some Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart defenders and, uh, from that moment on, you knew North Huron was going to win this that game because, well, Case was back, and the Warriors fed off of that. It was just a, another example of a team just doing exactly what it does, being itself, and imposing its will on its opponent. 
I agree with uh, a lot of that, but I, I definitely agree with the fact that I felt very comfortable that North Carolina was going to win this game, whether Will Case was at 100% or whether he even played. Uh, obviously, him playing, they blow the doors off Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart, but uh, I thought Tyler uh, Brown did, or Tyler Moore, excuse me, did an excellent job at the quarterback spot. But where he slides into is not much of a, a role where he gets a ton of pats on the back. But again, like you said, you put him on the edge. He's their best edge blocker. Then you on the other side of things, he ended up getting a few carries. He didn't do a whole lot with those seven carries, but two big catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. That's what adds that versatility, that extra dimension that North Huron didn't have when Will Case was out. Because Tyler Tyler Moore is not throwing to Tyler Moore when he's the quarterback. So it like you said, it just it's that weight that trickle down effect what happens when everybody's back in their original places you get guys that don't get any credit i mean henson had nine carries 59 yards and dave henson's their best blocker too uh he he, if you look at any any of the the running plays number 22 is right out there but just like that he even gets a few carries too and look what he does with his carry so then so will moore or i'm sorry will case just four for nine through the air but 86 yards and a score no turnovers this team had it rolling, and we just got talking about the Bearcats rolling and playing their best football. Does this team not look like they're playing really good football and very happy to see their quarterback back? They absolutely played like it and defensively. To only allow 20 points at this point in the playoffs in an eight-player game is pretty impressive, too. North Huron ends up with Will Case, 13 carries, 106 yards, and five scores. Christian Brown, 21 carries, 160 yards, and a score. Henson with nine carries, 59 yards, and Tyler Moore, seven carries for 18 yards. Tyler Moore also brought in two receptions for 63 yards and a score, and Shornack brought in two receptions for 23 yards. North Huron was on track to travel to Portland St. Patrick, who had a dogfight with Colin. Portland St. Patrick pulls it out in the fourth quarter there to beat Colin, and North Huron would have traveled there, and the game would have been Saturday at 1 p.m. It's time for a short break. When we return, we will take a look at the opponent of the Ugly Bearcats, as well as preview of our playoff games that would have occurred next week. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021. Listening to the WLEW Sports Network, Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, Paul P. Adams. Also, now on the YouTubes, just go to youtube.com, search for WLEW Sports. We might as well finish the strong side, the last segment here, with a strong note. Thank you to Eddie Fury for this. And oh, of all of the champions, just 72 teams remain in the state of Michigan, and the only champion so far is a virus. All right, let's talk about what the next week would look like in high school football. And we're on YouTube, so we're... Yeah. 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 Uh, normally, you can only only hear us cracking up. Yeah, there's, I, there's a history to that, though. Yes. This goes back the, what, a decade. Yeah. The song just keeps Beach, going, right? too. I, I have no clue how long it goes back. It's a tailgater broadcast, yes, and you I did just, an impromptu... Uh, I jumped on with Eddie. Yes. That's right. All right, so... <laughs> Ubley would have been hosting Carson City Crystal, the Eagles, this Saturday. At This song's still going. At 7 p.m., Carson City Crystal t- t- took out Fowler, also the Eagles, 21-2. And that's an owl rivalry game, mind you. 
Carson City Crystal and Fowler. Carson City Crystal has pretty much won every single game. It might have a better trophy than the Land Grant Trophy between Penn State and Michigan State. That doesn't say much. But all right, let's go on to this. At the end of the first quarter, it was Carson City Crystal by eight points. First two drives for Carson City Crystal ended in lost fumbles. And then on the fourth fourth drive of the night, they finally find out uh, Zane Forrest, the quarterback, with a 63-yard run. Let's just stop that music now. <laughs> Followed by Zane Forrest, the quarterback, keeper with a three-yard run, a minute 55 left in the first quarter. And then a Forrest run makes it 8 nothing Carson City Crystal. In the second quarter, followed next drive, they fumble. So Carson City Crystal's back in offense, 9.45 left in the half, and Kyler Stone with a 10-yard run on a two-minute drive. The PAT is good, and it's 15-0 Carson City Crystal. Into the end of the second half, Fowler on the first drive of the second half, a seven-minute and 35-second drive, stalls in the red zone. They couldn't get anything going. And then Carson City Crystal back on offense, 2.40 left in the third. On fourth down, they... On that long drive against uh, on follower on for Carson City Crystal defense, their long snapper, who's a sophomore, goes out with a defensive injury. So they bring in the backup uh, long snapper. Snap goes over the head of the punter into the end zone, has to dive on it, and it results in a safety. So Fowler's on the board, fifteen to two. Carson City's Crystal's still leading. Fowler then is intercepted by Carson City Crystal's Bryce Stanley on the ensuing drive. Into the fourth quarter, Kyler Stone breaks out for a 45-yard run, makes it 21-2. Carson City Crystal with your win, and the Redistrict Championship would have gone on to play in Ubley this Saturday at 7 p.m. Would have been a great game, but I, you know, their quarterback is strong. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. He's a big kid. Can throw the ball a lot. He's had I can't, uh, a lot of stats here. 73 carries in the year for 577 yards. 63 of 94 passing for over 1,100 yards of offense on passing the ball and 13 touchdowns. And he plays defensive end, 53 tackles and 9 sacks in the season. So you take all that into effect. Good quarterback, but I think Ubley would have had their way with this team. Before we get started, shout out to Ashley Wayner Palmer. That was a 2012 thumb tailgater appearance for you during a Harbor Beach team dinner in the cafetorium. That's where that originated from. Okay. So there we are. Go ahead, Dave. Back to the game at hand. <laughs> um, this team is a two-headed monster. Uh, Forrest and Stone are the two names you need to know. Uh, they will spread it out. They will read option. They will do everything. They are the two guys to stop. And if there's any team that can defensively game plan for just two offensive players, it's the LB Bearcats. The LB Bearcats uh, up front are they're not big. They're feisty, they're mean, they're technically sound, fundamentally sound. They don't give up big plays. They create turnovers. I don't exactly know how they do it. They just do. They have a knack for finding the football. That's where they hit you. And Carson City Crystal is going to meet a thumb area version, a physical version of football that a lot of these teams don't necessarily see. So you see a quarterback that wants to throw it a little bit. I like the balanced offense. That does scare me a little bit. But Ubley is going to be able to bring pressure without blitzing, allowing a weaker secondary to have extra bodies back there to pick up the slack. So I think the Ubley Bearcats not only should be favored in this game, but I think they would have won. I just think the way Peruski's playing a quarterback and Carson Haleski can run on anybody, uh, I just think this team is playing such good football, I would have been shocked if Carson City Crystal could have beat them. Not only favored, heavily favored, Dave. Uh, Carson City Crystal's got to prepare for Ubley probably uh, an offense that they don't see a whole lot of, the wing tee. And even if they do, 
they don't see Ubley's version of the wing tee. Ubley runs a unique version. Uh, Coach Sweeney, Coach Sweeney, all the Coach Sweeney's have ex- tried to explain to me over the years. You know what what dif- what the differences are with the Ubley wing tee to other wing tees, and uh, there there are some subtle differences. Nobody quite does it like Ubley, and when it's going, it's going. And Car- Carson Husky gets a lot of the credit, but Logan Mueller or Colin Noversky, or even Evan Peruski, they could all go off at a moment's notice. It's about what the defense is giving you. Uh, against Flint Beecher, the, that inside trap was working, and Carson Holeski was having a field day. But if that trap's not working, there's there's other backs, there's other options, there's other things that they can go to. It's a, it's a simple offense, but really, really difficult to prepare for, and I think Carson City Crystal was going to be uh, really in a world of hurt trying to prepare for this kind of offense. You can define the ugly offense in four words, masters of the trap, right? Okay, they absolutely block it better than anybody else, and they truly believe that when it's blocked properly, it's virtually indefensible. Now, nothing's indefensible per se, but they believe when it's blocked well, and we've all seen it. We've seen games where they have 10-minute drives and three and four yards of crack, and there's one game that it was in Ubley when they dismantled a very athletic Harbor Beach team with eight-minute drives and three- and four-yard runs over and over and over. It was like a broken record, but it was a thing of beauty. It was very difficult to call and stay into the game when you get excited <laughs> about a five-yard run, but they destroyed them. They picked them apart, slowly, methodically beat them, and they can do that to anyone. Ubley Bearcats, though, come out of that trap with Peruski around the outside better than any other team, and they just seem to have that spot. They pick that moment to hit you with that quarterback keeper. They only ran it four times this week. He had 80 yards and a touchdown. They just know when to do it. They're not overexposed their quarterback. They're just very good at it. Their game plan is just flawless. Moving on to the Kansas City Redhawks in Division 7, they would have been traveling to Ithaca Sunday, excuse me, Saturday at 1 p.m. in the regional final against Ithaca. Both <laughs> teams... Uh, undefeated on the season. Ithaca is technically 9-0. Now, on paper, you think, oh my gosh, Ithaca, they just they beat Puam Westphalia, but that was but via a forfeiture. In the first week of the postseason, that was a forfeiture. They've had one game in the last three weeks. I was watching some film on Ithaca. I really think Cassidy as well could have had a, not saying they it's a guaranteed win, similar to the Upley Chris Carson City Crystal game, but this, I think, would have been an excellent game as well. Cassidy matched up well with Ithaca. They they couldn't really run the ball strongly. And they, they have some passing game, but it reminded me a lot of Hemlock's passing game, where Cassidy was able to maintain it and keep that cushion wherever they needed to be. And when it came down to it, I think Cassidy and Ithaca would have came down to the fourth quarter. To shine a little more light on it, we had a lot of confidence that the Elbley Bearcats should have been favored and probably should beat Carson City Crystal. We believe Ithaca should be favored in this game, but not by that much. Cass City, there are some similarities in schedule, some some similar opponents that we've kind of looked at, and after looking at the tape, it's not Ithaca the Invincible. It's an Ithaca team that's a little more human. Now, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot more players. This is a team that is a blue blood, a team that has won a ton of state championships. Being deep playoff runs are not new to them. It is new to Cass City. So there's a few things working against Cass City, but they have if they can take that I-don't-have-anything-to-lose mentality and throw your best punches chance at Ithaca, they're probably roughly a 10-point dog, in my opinion. But that is not something that they can overcome. I mean, they can absolutely <clears throat> overcome that at any point in time. This Cass City team is playing good football and make adjustments on the fly well and can give Ithaca a good run for their money. 
Ithaca has that history of winning. You know, you, you go back to Carson City Crystal. That was their first district in since 1999. Uh, it's Ithaca's birthright to win district championships. It seems like over the last uh, 15 years or so, uh, you look at the 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 success that this this program has had and for comparison's sake this is a program a city that's really not much bigger than bad X. it's a public school this isn't a private school uh, drawn from a bunch of other schools this is a public school that's built itself into a powerhouse so that's what gives Ithaca a little bit of an edge is even these kids who may not be as good as the ones that preceded them they have come up in a winning environment they expect to win they know what it is to win that they, they expect themselves to win and and uh you know that, that's what they're brought up in and when that's all you know is winning it, it, it does make a difference but when a poor season ends with a quarter fire with a semifinal loss they just they play competitive football two, three, and four extra weeks longer than most other teams do in the state. They just, they're just they just a great program. They've been run very well for many years. They get a lot of good talent, and they do a lot with it. They don't underachieve very often. So when you go in there and someone goes to Ithaca and beats them, especially on their own turf, you have to play a very good ball game. You have to bring an A-plus game. And if you don't, Ithaca will bury you. Moving on to eight-player football, the last team in the NCTL still live, the North Huron Warriors. We're traveling to Portland St. Patrick on Saturday at 1 p.m. The Warriors against the Shamrocks. North Huron, of course, beat Sacred Heart two weeks ago, lost 16-51 last year to Portland St. Patrick in the regionals. 2017, they met in the state semifinals against St. Patrick. They lost that one 14-33. Portland St. Patrick, they had to score 22 points in the fourth quarter to defeat last year's champion, uh, Colin. Their quarterback, Connor Cross, 18-26 passing, 290 yards and three scores, rushing the ball as well, 104 yards and three touchdowns. So Portland St. Patrick, very strong quarterback. North Huron, very strong quarterback. Similar styles going head-to-head here in in a perfect world. Yeah, but this is still going to be a tall order because North Huron's got to get the ghosts of losing to Portland St. Patrick out of its head. Two, Two times now in the last three years, North Huron's traveled down there. And that's where their season has ended, including last year. So this has just kind of been North Huron's kryptonite. Not saying North Huron can't win, but when you lose to a team, you know, multiple times, it starts to build up in your head, like, what do we got to do to beat these guys? And and when you look at Portland St. Patrick's body of work, this is a solid, solid team. I picked them as one of the favorites in Division Two from the beginning, uh, and I stand by that. If North Huron could win this game, obviously, hey, they, they, could, they could win a state championship. But it's going to take a perfect game. North Huron has it. They have the defense. They have the offense to, to play a perfect game. They certainly do, and it would have been a great matchup. And on paper, they do have a lot of similarities. And it starts with an athletic quarterback that certainly carries the load, and the entire offense runs through them. And it was great to see Will Case play a good game, show that he is back and ready to go, and uh, that provided that extra jolt of energy uh, for the Warriors. And that was exactly what they needed, a big win to bring some momentum into a game where that's what they needed. They needed momentum, and they need that thirst, that hunger to say, you know what, we are done losing to Portland St. Patrick. We are beating them this week. Well, that was the plan. Yeah, and for the, for the, just to clarify, if anyone's living uh, in a non-technical uh, world where they're trying to just shut out the news, and I do not blame you one bit, quite frankly, in 2020, but the season has been... Suspended. 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 Yes, and we know what happens when you're suspended from school. Yeah, it's just a matter of time until it's canceled. But uh, it's similar to what we saw in the spring, and unfortunately I do not see this football season ever finishing. Well, let let me say this, Clark. When we were in August 
and I was in Sandusky uh, when the news broke that we weren't going to have a season. These kids would have given anything to have nine games. You know, we look at North here and we look at Ubley, you know, the teams that are still alive and they have nine games in and, and some of them, you know, played six, seven, whatever. They would have given anything to have those games. And we got those games. It's not going to end the way we, we wanted it to end, but we got something. And let me tell you, the spring athletes would have given anything to have something over nothing. At least these fall kids got something, and it is better than nothing. It sucks, but they got something. They certainly did, and it doesn't look good for winter sports either again. So uh, we can only do is hope for the best and, and hope that uh, this thing turns around quickly. Something changes because something has to change in the favor, especially for these kids. I mean, it's nothing to do with nothing against anybody else that lives in the state. But uh, you, right now, for what we're talking about, we feel for these kids, and we actually hope the suspension is just a suspension at that. And the brains and powers that be that make these decisions can find a way to finish this season for these kids in a safe in a safe manner and like we say of course we want to see that happen we just uh after 2020 the way it's been going not holding my breath by any means thank you to all of our listeners all season long all four episodes here of the strong side thank you to dave hansen paul p adams for being in studio here with us and thank you to all of our listeners and watchers on youtube if you have not already go to youtube.com Hit subscribe for WLW Sports. We'd greatly appreciate it. And turn on notifications. And also, thank you to all of our sponsors. Thumb Bank and Trust, Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, Thompson Chevrolet and Thompson Car Company, and Sure Health. Better health, better life, are you sure? So on behalf of Dave Hanson, Paul Piedos, I'm Clark Ramsey. Thank you for listening to The Strong Side. Thank you to all of our students and athletes out there. Stay safe, and we'll see you on this other side. This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.